covering transportation. For go-getters and just going to betters, it's the pre-W Smith Show with Jeff Sloan on 760 WJR. All right, welcome back. Now, uh, taking a look at a trend in business that looked like it was just going to roll and continue way into the post-pandemic era. And of course, at some level, it will, but the mania associated with e-commerce seems to be slowing. Kristen, you did an interview recently with Emma Cosgrove from businessinsider.com on a trend showing that uh, investors, venture capitalists, et cetera, are really starting to turn the other way when it comes to investment in e-commerce. Interesting interview. So Emma, tell us, what did you find in your research about e-commerce funding starting to decline? Sure. Yeah. I find myself doing a lot of looking back this year because I have been covering e-commerce and logistics since about 2018 and all through the pandemic. And what really occurred to me was that investors had always told me, and when I say investors, I mean venture capital investors and then Wall Street analysts as well. So investors sort of across the spectrum, even small business owners, which I talk to all the time, They had been banking on this sort of rising tide of e-commerce where we're in the early innings. I heard that so many times. We're in the early innings of e-commerce, and that means that there's so much more to grow, which means if you're investing in e-commerce, it's a pretty solid bet because the growth is almost assured. And the pandemic was seen as this amazing instigating event that sent all kinds of e-commerce indicators through the roof, including sales, but also venture capital investment and some of the stock prices for companies like Shopify and Wayfair and Peloton. And since 2022, some point in 2022, we started to see that unravel. And I felt like it was a good time to step back and ask some experts and investors, where are we now in terms of investing in e-commerce? And the answer that I got was essentially, it's kind of like any other investment class at this point. We're not banking on this exponential, constant, assured growth. Every solution, every company has to be evaluated piecemeal, one at a time, which, you know, it seems like a no-brainer, but that's not what was happening in 2021 when venture investment went insane. So that's where we are right now. There's sort of a pause going on and investors are licking their wounds and considering their options. And also they need to learn how to truly evaluate not just e-commerce businesses like direct-to-consumer products, but also all the services that popped up to enable direct-to-consumer products. So let me ask you, are you able to give us either examples or details of which type of e-commerce startups have successfully adapted to these kind of changes kind of post-pandemic? I think it's too early to say, to be honest. There are some companies that have fared better than others, meaning they have sort of kept more of their boom than others. And one of those I would say is Target, which I mentioned in my article. Target was seen as a, as a winner in the pandemic. And part of the reason was because they had worked really hard on integrating their store experience and their online experience beforehand. So they were farther along that journey to begin with. And that goes for everything. Like if you've ever used Target's app, The app talks about the store, and then the app is also present in the store when you're physically there. There are things you can scan, and then the the app will tell you what aisle to go in. It'll give you three options for how you get a product delivered. If you think about it, it's, it's a really different experience than most websites. 
And since they already had that in place, the pandemic allowed them to sort of knit all those together. And it's not just the front end for the consumer, it's also the back end. So they had their online and in-store inventory married before the pandemic. And that is pretty novel. And it means that they were able not only to sell sort of from anywhere and be really flexible, but they were able to be efficient and flexible, which has been a huge problem for retailers since 2020, since they had to constantly sort of bob and weave to figure out what was going on. So Target is definitely a winner. And we're seeing that, I mean, this is probably not surprising, but big companies are going to be able to fare better than smaller ones. UPS is another one that is holding on better than its competition. It has done a lot of moves to diversify. It's embracing e-commerce because it has to, but it's also leaning really hard into healthcare. And that has helped pad its balance sheet to an extent. It's starting to come down now, but the direct-to-consumer products are still having a really hard time. Shopify reports earnings tomorrow, and that's a huge question mark on what the sort of future priorities for Shopify is because they've gone all over the place building logistics, and they took the boom very seriously, and, and this sort of bust is an open question right now. And one thing you mentioned in your article that I actually highlighted was investors need to know if the startup is solving a problem that retailers will spend money to solve. And I think that's spot on. I mean, as a VC or an angel investor investing in any of these e-commerce sites, are you seeing or have you heard kind of what specifically they need to be paying attention to? Yeah, so um, that's a really good point to pull out. So a lot of the technologies I'm talking about are, are like post-consumer or pre-consumer. And the post-purchase technologies are the ones that I focus on the most. So that's everything that happens after you click submit on that order. It's the emails you receive, the types of communication you receive, the types of tracking you receive for your package, who delivers the package, when do you get it, how much information do you know about where that package is and when it's going to arrive. There could be six or seven or 10 companies involved after you click submit, and all of those have investors. So those technologies sound great when they're describing how convenient they are to you and you're sitting there in the in the boardroom as a consumer being like, oh my God, yeah, I definitely want to know, you know, where my package is exactly. I want to be able to return it with the click of a button. I want to be able to have someone come pick up my return from my house instead of me having to bring it to the store or to UPS. But you're not the one who's paying for most of that. So consumers think it sounds great, but retailers think it sounds expensive and it sounds optional. And in economic times like this, they're not looking to bring their margins down by adding a lot of extra services onto your purchase. So if it's really solving a problem for the retailer, the one who's paying for the service, then that's great. That's probably a good investment. But if you're drawing a, this indirect line between great service, a great customer experience, and repeat purchases from consumers, that very well may be true, but it's not a direct line. So you, you're still banking on companies being willing to invest in that. Returns is a great example of this. It's a place where, yes, returns need to improve. They're a massive problem. But when you talk to executives in retail about returns, there's really a split. Some of them say that returns need to be easier. They need to be more efficient. They need to be more sustainable. And that that's what drives customers to come back. And half of them say, wait a second, is this technology going to give me more returns? Then I don't want it. 
All right, Emma Cosgrove, senior reporter for businessinsider.com. Kristen, good job on the interview. Interesting news about uh, the way actually e-commerce is faring in this post-pandemic era. All right, headed to a break. Back with more in a minute right here on the Pre-W Smith Show.